the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello and welcome to SoCal Live. I'm your guest host today, Mark Ray. Hey, I hope you're having a blessed Thanksgiving week. Today on SoCal Live, we're going to have two different topics we're going to discuss. In the first hour, I'm going to talk about how to navigate your way through grief and loss during the holidays and kind of relate a little bit about my grief journey, having lost my wife of 42 years to a valiant battle with stage four ovarian cancer. She left for heaven on March 22nd of 2018. And in the second hour, with all the life-altering challenges and changes due to COVID-19, many people have suffered and continue to suffer with anxiety-related issues about their life, their family, their children, which schools they're going to go to, and like how to proceed with vaccine concerns, mandates at work, and even restrictions in certain areas with regards to getting into restaurants or movie theaters. So I'm going to talk in the second hour about my own personal uh, battles with anxiety, in particular PTSD. So to start off today, I want to uh, kind of go back to 2012 on Valentine's Day of 2012, uh, my wife um, was suffering from pain in her abdomen. And uh, in the 42 years of our marriage, we have five kids. The only time my wife ever asked me to go to the hospital was when she was having a baby. That always seemed to be the time. Otherwise, she was always putting herself uh, and her needs behind her family's needs. So this day, I went to ask her where she wanted to go for dinner for Valentine's Day, only to have her say, you know, Mark, I'm in so much pain, I think I need to go to the hospital, which was kind of stunning. I was pretty surprised by that. So um, packed her up in the car with a couple of our kids, went over to Riverside County Hospital and waited for 12 hours for her to be seen. Uh, we wound up taking turns uh, to uh, wait in the waiting room because she was in so much pain. She had to wait in the car. So upon finally getting seen and having a CT scan, uh, they revealed the news that nobody wants to hear, that there was a tumor above her left ovary that was the size of a softball. And uh, the initial um, uh, thought was this is a tumor. We don't know if it's if it's malignant or not, of course, they took a biopsy and the results were unfortunate that it was stage four already. So she wanted to try uh, alternative uh, therapies to battling cancer uh, right out of the box. Uh, she wasn't wanting to do surgery or chemotherapy because she'd heard uh, that if the cancer doesn't kill you, the chemo will. A lot of people like to uh, throw that out there. So she tried some alternative therapies right away from changing her diet, doing juicing, uh, drinking alkaline water. But in four months, my wife lost 100 pounds and the tumor was getting bigger. And the doctors at Riverside were just 
unfortunately, too distracted with other patients to give her the kind of attention that she needed. And it was actually the encouragement of our oldest child, our daughter, that um, my wife sought uh, counsel from an uh, oncologist that was uh, recommended uh, to my daughter at Cedar sinai And she became an advocate. And that's one of the things I can't stress enough for you that have this unfortunate uh, battle, that you find a physician that's an advocate for healing, for trying to see you not just go through treatments, but who really believes in helping you get to health, getting back to, to normal, as, as normal as you, as you can. And so Dr. Walsh at Cedars-Sinai was amazing in uh, getting my wife in for her first big surgery to remove that tumor. And that tumor had gone, as I said, early on, the tumor was the size of a, uh, uh, of a softball. And by now, it was the size of a Nerf football. It was big. And having lost all that weight, my wife looked like a shell of herself just in those four months. So we realized that in her case, the cancer was just too virulent to be attacked with some type of alternative therapy. So she um, relented to surgery, chemo, uh, whatever it was going to take. So in in, uh, uh, June of 2012 there, uh, she went in, all five of my children uh, came to the hospital that morning, not knowing if she was going to even survive the, the, the surgery itself. And she had a seven and a half hour surgery to remove that tumor, followed by uh, a few months of chemotherapy at UC Irvine uh, and was deemed uh, in remission by the holidays, which was a, a big, uh, you know, uh, source of rejoicing for our family and friends. Uh, she'd been on prayer lists all over Southern California and beyond. And so we were really excited that she was on the mend, so to speak. Well, in 2013, um, she uh, again was feeling better, eating healthier, uh, gained uh, a healthy amount of weight, was feeling good, and then uh, all of a sudden started to feel this pain returning in the same areas that she'd felt it before. So I took her back to Cedars. They took a a CT scan and gave us the news that uh, there were multiple tumors that were populating her abdominal area and that it looked like she was uh, not going to be able to be a candidate for surgery at that point and that she had been deemed chemo resistant as well. The chemo by itself, although it was stalling, the growth of the tumor was not killing the tumor off. So again, um, looking for alternative therapies, something that might be effectual. She was recommended to Oasis of Hope in Tijuana in Mexico Uh, My daughter had gone online and raised over $11,000 to be able to help pay for that therapy down there where she went through a lot of variety of uh, everything from hyperbolic chamber, vitamin C injections, uh, blood cleansing, and uh, a therapy that's actually not uh, legal in the United States, which is Laetrile. Again, you're listening to KKLA. 99.5 FM here in Southern California. I'm Mark Ray, your guest host today. All right. My uh, wife's journey again. At this point in 2013, she was in Mexico and stayed at Oasis of Hope for about 10 days doing uh, doing a variety of different therapies. 
and I brought her home uh, to continue with some of those therapies in their Irvine-based clinic, uh, as well as having to give her injections. And you never know. That's the thing. Uh, We were married in uh, 1975 uh, at 20 years old, both of us, in the middle of our junior year at Westmont College. And uh, you make those vows uh, in sickness and in health till death do us part. And I was definitely doing the sickness part, uh, having to give her injections of Laetrile uh, two times a day uh, in an attempt to uh, attack that, those cancer cells. And after three months of treatment, uh, she was recommended by the doctors at uh, Oasis of Hope to go back to Cedars-Sinai, get a CT scan, see what the uh, what the tumor's doing now, the tumors are doing now. And by the grace of God, found that the tumors had actually started to, uh, to group together. And so she was now uh, able to have surgery. So again, she had surgery again in uh, uh, the uh, fall of 2013 to remove that tumor. But this time, uh, part of the cancer was attached to her femoral artery in her leg at the, at the base of her uh, hip there. And the only way to attack that was radiation. So she now, uh, her oncologist came up with this scheme to not only do radiation for 28 straight days, which was brutal, but also to um, uh, couple that with another type of chemotherapy. So it was a a two-pronged attack. So that actually was effectual, even though it took such a toll on my wife uh, that her body was just racked. Uh, She was in a wheelchair. Um, We were at the hospital day after day uh, trying to get her in a better place. And by the holidays of uh, 2013, um, she was starting to turn a corner there. So in 2014, um, she was deemed in remission for the second time. And this time, just in time for our oldest, our daughter's wedding, which was quite a miracle as well, because all of our family and friends were there to celebrate with my daughter, but also to celebrate uh, the the journey that my wife had been going through and the fact that she was in remission again. Uh, That time lasted through into 2015. Unfortunately, her intestines crashed from radiation damage. So it wasn't the cancer that was the problem. It was actually the radiation that uh, uh, had, that actually had damaged her intestinal tract. So for four months, she could not eat food. So I had to put an IV. I did uh, help her with administering an IV 12 hours of every day. She had to wear an abdomen bag um, during the day as well. So there was a lot of, uh, we actually called it Team Willa. My wife's nickname for Wilhelmina was Willa. And uh, all of the family members, we considered ourselves Team Willa. And we would pitch in to help her out through all that stuff. And uh, again, during that time, it was very difficult. But we saw a miracle in February of 2015. Her intestines opened up through an experimental um, uh, steroid treatment, actually, that the doctors were trying, opened up the intestines again, and she could eat again. So 2015 became what I called the miracle year, because in that time, she was able to eat, um, to gain a healthy amount of weight. And she even went back to work part-time. She had a master's degree in early childhood development. So she worked at a preschool and just loved being around the kids. But in the um, 
holiday season of 2015, at, as soon as all the family members left from all the celebration, she informed me that she felt the pain again in uh, the same spot that it had come back two times before. So at that time, uh, I took her back to Cedars-Sinai to get the news that the tumors had now not only started to grow back, but that they had impacted her lymphatic system. So the only options for her at that point, because she was deemed chemo-resistant, over-radiated. In fact, the doctors joked that she glowed in the dark uh, and that she could not have surgery because once your tissue's been damaged by radiation, uh, there's no... Um, Assurance that if they if they do surgery that the flesh is going to heal back together, so she had to start applying for clinical trials. She did that for about six months to no avail all over the United States, various hospitals, uh, and nothing was working and Then she found out about a, a water based therapy that was being uh, conducted in Budapest, Hungary of all places, and having never been to Europe. I uh, thought, wow, maybe this is God's way uh, in my bucket list to be able to let me see Europe. So she applied for that and was accepted. Uh, but in order to help pay for it, she, on her own, decided to take a job teaching English to Hungarian school children in an elementary school just blocks away from the clinic where the therapy was to take place. So for the first time in our married life, we were living apart, and she was teaching school and uh, taking the therapy there in Budapest, which gave a lot of our family and relatives uh, a chance to go visit Europe and to get to see her. Um, and uh, as much hope as we had in this being something that would help, unfortunately, it wasn't uh, going to work out. And by June of 2017, she, at the end of the school year, I went back to Europe to help her uh, come back home, to bring her back home. So one of her bucket list items was to um, move to Big Bear Lake. She'd always loved Big Bear and thought, hey, if we live in Big Bear – um, you'll have a great place to retire and all the grandkids and kids will want to come up and visit and vacation. So she got to live her uh, kind of her HGTV dream, too, because we we purchased a cabin that uh, needed to be uh, remodeled. So in the last four months of her life from her hospice bed, she would say, oh, send the painter in. You know, send the flooring guy in so I can see samples. And uh, they grew to absolutely adore her, all the workers there. And my neighbors in Big Bear were amazing in their support and kindness that they showed us. And uh, so with family surrounding her uh, in March uh, 22nd of 2018, uh, I walked my wife to the veil and uh, – watched her make the transition from this life into eternity. And uh, by the grace of God, it was amazing. We we all started to, of course, cry initially and literally within, gosh, not even 30 seconds of her passing, everybody started clapping and rejoicing. And the fact that she'd made this, uh, she was no longer in pain. She uh, was at peace and could be and was in the arms of her Savior. Once again, I'm Mark Ray, your guest host today on 99.5 KKLA, SoCal Live, talking about grief and loss and how to navigate your way through this as the holidays are approaching. Obviously, they are. Tomorrow's Thanksgiving, and this is uh, one of the first holidays that I had to uh, make my way through in 2018 after my wife's passing, moving to heaven to be with the Lord. 
And it was uh, something that I was able to do uh, more successfully thanks to Grief Share. And we're going to be talking, coming up in a little bit with my Grief Share uh, facilitator in Big Bear Lake, California, Joe Stangle. Uh, he's been uh, a leader for three years in Big Bear, helping countless people to be able to um, go, as Grief Share likes to say, from mourning to joy. And that's really what I felt like God helped me do. And in my Thanksgiving, uh, my first one, I was blessed by family and friends that basically said, Mark, we want to come up and support you, and we're going to bring everything for you. Don't cook a thing. And I I wanted to contribute something, and they're like, oh, no, we've got this. And the next thing I know, I had a house full of 20 relatives, turkey, ham, all the fixings, and all the fellowship I could have ever uh, asked for. But in my second year, in 2019, that was a challenge because I didn't have all the family there. And so one of the things that I wanted to do uh, after my wife's passing, I learned rather quickly was I was a horrible cook. I had been relying on my wife's cooking skills for 42 years. I mean, I might be able to crack an egg and do some breakfast, but man, I'm trying to do lasagna or, uh, oh gosh, beef stews, even spaghetti. I was so challenged. So one of the things I decided to do for Thanksgiving in 2019 was make my first turkey. So what was I going to do? Where was I going to get a recipe? But YouTube. And so I found out that I could get help from the the chef, Martha Stewart. So I went on YouTube and I listened to her video and I wound up getting all of the ingredients together that she suggested. And here I was at my kitchen countertop with my iPad and Martha Stewart. And here's a taste of what Martha Stewart suggested for me. The oven is preheated to 425 degrees, and this stays in for 30 minutes. And then you reduce the temperature to 350, and every 15 or 20 minutes, you baste it with a little bit of this delicious white wine mixture. And uh, keep baking until it uh, comes to 165. So it's kind of important. This is one of the big things that you have to make sure you do for yourself is that you make yourself a priority. You know, your family and your uh, friends love you. And a lot of times we don't love on ourselves enough. And that was one of the things, one of the areas of my life that I really had to focus on was learning how to cook, learning how to make sure I took care of myself. And one of the other things I did in Big Bear was take advantage of nature that was up there. And my brother-in-law gifted me this amazing mountain bike, which was way over my abilities. And uh, by the grace of God, I was able to start riding the bike and putting in some miles, getting the exercise that I needed to pretty much care for myself, which is one of the things I had neglected in the six-year battle with my wife's cancer. I actually had a couple of friends that were amazing during those six years who would call me periodically and say to me, hey, Mark, um, how's Willa doing? And I would explain her latest therapy and how uh, it was impacting her life, how her health was doing at that point. But then they would say, Mark, how are you doing? What are you doing to take care of Mark? And many times I didn't have much to say because I I just didn't have any time to take care of Mark. I was uh, barely sleeping at some points because there was needs that had to be met for her. 
So this is super important that you guys, that you consider all that stuff. So we're going to be talking to Joe Stangle, as I said, Grief Share Leader. Grief Share is a 13-week support group that helps various um, people that have various – suffered various types of loss. It could be a sibling. It could be uh, a child, a friend, a parent. Uh, And many times people just – the the blow to them emotionally uh, is is tough, and it's a great way to be able to get themselves through that. Once again, thanks for listening to SoCal Live today. I'm Mark Ray, your guest host, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to SoCal Live on 99.5 FM. I'm Mark Ray, your guest host today. And in our first hour, we're talking about grief and loss and how to navigate your way through the holidays if you have suffered loss of a family member or a close friend. And with me today is Joe Stangle. He's a grief share facilitator for the last three years in the Big Bear Lake area where I live. And Joe was an invaluable friend and support for me after the loss of my wife, Willa, in March of 2018. How you doing, Joe? I'm doing great, Mark. How are you today? I'm doing great, man. So I wanted to ask you, uh, obviously, you know, the holidays place new challenges to those who've suffered loss. You know, for many, this is uncharted territory. And the stresses of both, you know, social and familial obligations during the season can be pretty much overwhelming for people. So what does Grief Share suggest we should do to that can basically help us prepare for the holidays better? Well, the, the number one thing is have a plan. Um, we're, we're definitely in a fog right now, and so we, we're not sure of what's going on. So having a plan to how you're going to go about the holidays is, is best. Um, having a plan means that you're going to be thinking about decorations, and you, you don't want to put them all up. You don't want to put some of them up. So what do you want to put up? And put up what you think you need and then claim those as your own because this holiday is going to be your own from here on out. And um, when you go over to relatives, have an escape plan. Uh, sounds kind of funny, but... Sometimes we, we go with uh, a friend or a family member to a, another relative's house, and then we get there, and we don't have any way of getting out. And we're in a panic because we don't want to be around anybody, and we're full of uh, fear and crying, and so having a plan. And sometimes that plan just means um, having a back room to go off in, and uh, cry your heart out or walk around the block or something of of that nature. So that helps to go knowing that you're going to go there with, with, you know, um, pain in your heart that your loved one is not there for that, that first time of holiday season. Right. Right. And, you know, uh, you know, grief share mentions the, uh, the idea of being ambushed by grief. And I know from my experience that uh, I determined to, while, while still honoring my wife's memories, to, to still endeavor to create new traditions where uh, I'm less, quote-unquote, triggered, 
you know, by the past. Uh, and you kind of hit on that a little bit, too. Uh, you know, you have to claim it, the holiday for your own. What are some what are some suggestions you have for that? I know the first year that uh, I was suffering my loss, my son uh, came over and said, I'm not going to let you just sit here and mope about the house with no decorations. And so he went out and got a Charlie Brown Christmas tree for me and put some <laughs> decorations on it. Right. And, and he made it, he made that Christmas uh, a special memory for both of us. Um, because we had both lost somebody different and special to us. And so it was kind of a, a, a family tradition, not necessarily to have the best and biggest Christmas tree anymore, but, but to um, have our own. And it's, we put on, you know, what our favorite ornaments are, and um, we just claim it as our own. Right. Yeah, that's the thing, too. We kind of sometimes lose sight in our own grief that other members of our family uh, are obviously going through their own grief journey as well. And uh, getting to talk to them and I kind of call it a preemptive strike, right? You know, talking before the holidays hit about what it is you want to do and what it is maybe you don't want to do because you see those things as – Emotional triggers that are going to cause the uh, cause the tears to come back. Yes, you you don't want to, you know, go to grandma's house if it's going to bring nothing but pain to you, and so you just try to avoid that and set it up different. Um, yeah, go to Ho- go to Hawaii for Christmas. Be different. Yeah, I know when my wife lost her dad in 1992. We did a completely different Christmas, exactly what you're talking about. Uh, We weren't even at home. We wound up spending the holiday at a hotel and going to a movie in the afternoon. Never done that on a Christmas, but it was completely different. So it helped so much to be able to try something different. Well, Joe, one other thing, you know, it's it's easy to become both physically uh, and even more so emotionally exhausted uh, during the season. Uh, especially after suffering loss. Are there any kind of rules or limitations that you've done in your experience that have helped you to be more healthy through it all? Uh, yes. I Knowing that fatigue is uh, a very big part of grief, that, we, that grief is emotionally draining for everybody and everything, that but the important part is to remember that you need to have your rest. And uh, you need to plan for uh, a, a time, a quiet time. It's not necessarily taking a nap or anything like that, but just have your rest so that you can collect your thoughts back together, that you can be uh, calm and confident to go through the, rest of the the celebrations. And and it isn't just a day, but it becomes a whole season. Uh, you know, starting early in in, uh, November and working through the end of the year and the new year. And so we have to take it easy, try not to overdo it, Um, try not to plan too much, try not to, oh, I did this, I did this, I did this, and and pretty soon you're tired and you you don't enjoy anything and you're you're actually losing your patience with the people that are out there trying to help you or people that are suffering at this time of the year because of the loss that, uh, you know, you're suffering with, too. 
Right. Well, Joe, I so appreciate the, your wisdom in all this. And I got to say, I never even knew that grief share existed until I suffered loss and was introduced to you. Can you talk to our listeners here at KKLA a little more about what is grief share? Uh, grief share is a group of, uh, group run help that uh, we do three things here. We have videos with experts on it uh, so that we're getting good quality uh, information going into our grief. We have good quality discussion time so that we talk about our grief. And we also follow up with God's Word. Uh, without God's Word bringing all three of them together, there is no hope in healing. Um, we can have all the information in the world on what grief is and how to deal with it, but uh, we're, we're not going to be going anywhere without that power from the Holy Spirit to guide us through and strengthen us and to lead us through this grief session. Well, that's the thing that I appreciated the most about Grief Share is it kept me hopeful and it kept me focused on the Lord as my healer. And I went through it with you three times. I went through all 13 weeks. And, it, and it's tough. It is tough to do. And I would see some people come and go because, again, at the meetings, you're confronting your grief and your loss. And there are tears there. And a lot of times that happens weekly as you're getting together. But you could see light at the end of the tunnel as we would approach the final weeks the final sessions and those amazing tools that grief share gives you the scriptures that are encouraging that help you to realize that you're not in this alone that you've got others that are believers that uh, come alongside you that pray with you pray for you that you can reach out and call them and talk to them that really was such a great support system for myself and for those other members. It was really powerful. Yes, it's been powerful for me, too. I keep saying I'm, I'm doing this for selfish reasons because each week that I do a, a lesson plan, um, I'm learning something that I didn't realize uh, that I didn't know before. And, you know, like you said, you've been through it for three times, and, and I've been over it, you know, a, a dozen times, and yet I'm still learning what grief and the new facets of it are. And uh, it's, it's not only for believers, but it's also for non-believers, because there is the practical side of what to do, uh, like we talked about earlier about the holidays or the ambushes. And those are all practical ways of dealing and processing our grief. And um, processing our grief is a better word, I feel, than dealing with it. Dealing with it is, I have a flat tire, I, I need to change the tire, and, and uh, I, I do it, you know, and I'm done with it. But grief is not like that. It, it's a continual thing, and it's a process of learning how to go forward uh, a day at a time sometimes. Well, Joe, I, I can't thank you enough for this time, and you have, uh, you're just a wealth of, uh, 
of knowledge with regards to this and helping. Uh, I'm sure it's helped the listeners that are out there that have been going through that. And like I said, um, if you haven't heard of Grief Share, please check with your local church. A lot of churches uh, are where these Grief Share meetings are taking place. And once again, brother, yes. I love you so much. I thank you so much for your time today. And uh, um, I look forward to uh, continuing to reach out to you when I have those moments. And again, they, it's not like they're, they're ever going to be over, really. Uh, there's still times when uh, I will see a commercial or I'll hear a song or I'll see a, an older couple holding hands and uh, it'll, it'll be a trigger that'll... Uh, that'll start the emotions going again. So anyway, bless you so much, brother. Thank you very much. I enjoyed talking with you, Mark. You got it, buddy. Thanks so much for listening to SoCal Live today. I'm Mark Ray, your guest host, and we'll be right back. Hello and welcome to SoCal Live. I'm your guest host today, Mark Ray. Hope you're having a blessed Thanksgiving week. And we just got done with a terrific interview with my friend Joe Stangl in Big Bear Lake, California. He's a grief share facilitator and he was my uh, confidant and advisor and still is with that regard uh, as I still continue to go through the steps of healing and mourning the loss of my wife from March 22nd, 2018. So some of the steps uh, of preparation for the season moving forward that I wanted to kind of give you my personal take on it. It's a good idea to discuss with your family members ways to update and or modify the celebrations of the holiday. Say, changing the guest list to only include the closest family or possibly removing some ornaments or pictures or knickknacks that trigger an emotional response. Uh, usually the first holiday season, of course, is of, after loss is the hardest to navigate because it's brand new territory. So some suggestions that I have is to get your family together, even if it's by phone, and kind of strategize the who, the what, the when, and where of your holidays. Where are you going to have it this time? Maybe, like we were talking about, mix it up, do something different, have it at someone else's house. And decide which traditions are important to keep um, and and where you can create new ones. Like Joe was saying, uh, claiming the holiday uh, for yourself. That's a That's a brand new thing for a lot of us after loss. And don't isolate yourself. If you're going out, one of the things that I would do that helped me was um, I would write down an answer to the most common question people would ask me, which was, how are you holding up? And a lot of times all they had to do was ask the question and I would start crying. Uh, so I wrote an answer that I practiced a couple of times before I would go into a social or family setting so that I could respond in such a way that hopefully it wouldn't trigger those emotions. But, of course, if you do start crying, it's completely normal. There's no rules. And others just have to give grace. They just have to. So, uh, like I said, one of the things that I talked about earlier um, – was that I needed to recognize my needs and my vulnerabilities and pray for the Lord's comfort and strength through it all. And, you know, once again, Psalms 23, I, I heard a pastor uh, talking about grief, 
uh, recently, and he was talking about how uh, in Psalms 23, it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, not around it, that our grief journey takes us right through that valley. And that's why we have to seek the Lord. And continuing in that verse, he says, for you are with me. The Lord is with you. And we can't forget that, that he's right there. He is present with us every step of the way. So we have to give our uh, our Lord, um, we have to give our Lord the time and the thought and the attention that uh, is needed to be able to keep us strong during that time. And my grief journey has taught me um, to, to realize that I want to live every single day like it's my last day, to not leave divisions and unresolved issues between me and others, my kids, friends, uh, leave them unresolved. But I want, it, it, because if I was to pass unexpectedly, I would be so, I would have, obviously, uh, I would be with the Lord, but you don't want to have those type of regrets in, in your mind that, gosh, I wish I had settled this with a family member. And grief share helped me to realize that grief's the price that we pay for loving. It really, truly is. And many of us have lost friends or loved ones, and sometimes that loss has uh, more of an impact on us than others. And the loss of my wife, my best friend of 45 years, married for 42 years, you know, that, uh, uh, you know, I didn't want to be immobilized after that. And God helped me through grief share and through my prayer and my time with him to reconnect with friends that I had lost track of because I'd been so busy in my life. And also to to be more committed to uh, my small group and my church. Um, and of course, how this is a tough thing that a lot of people going through grief, especially during the holidays, struggle with is how to accept and even be willing to ask for help when necessary. I had friends right after my wife's passing that uh, would call, call me, one in particular, and said, Mark, can I just come and I'll just hang out. I'll sleep on your couch, you know, I, just to be there presently with you. I'm not going to give you offer you any advice, whatever, if you don't want it. I just want to physically be there to help you out. And I said, no, I got this. But, man, that was one of the ones I regretted. I wished I had taken him up on that offer a couple of times, to say the least. And also, you know, the fact that my neighbors were so amazing, kind and generous to me was such a, such a power to, powerful testimony to the way the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, comes in and, and embraces us in those times of grief. So one of the priorities for me moving forward was caring for my grieving children and my grandchildren, making sure I was available for them. And I traveled in the first few months after my wife's passing to be able to reconnect with my grandchildren and children that lived in other states. Also, some of the new habits and hobbies that I, I took up really helped me to be able to redefine who I was by myself. Because, again, I constantly identified myself over 45 years as Mark and Willa, Mark and Willa. It wasn't Mark. Who's Mark? I had to figure out who I was again. So one of the areas that they talk about in uh, Reef Share that helped me was journaling. I started becoming uh, a voracious reader as well. And that was one of the things I never had time for in my life earlier, raising five children, having 40 employees for many years. I didn't have time to do that. And journaling and reading really helped me. 
Uh, it helped me to more, more to seriously crystallize my emotions, um, my hopes, my fears, and also what my plans were moving forward. It's so important after suffering loss that you are looking forward and asking the Lord, how can I be of service, Lord, in the time that I have left on this side of the veil? So looking for opportunities to serve is such an important element. So I chose to create uh, a book gifting ministry to be able to give books to people that I thought were really going to be um, blessed and impact for the Lord. Uh, So I found one of my first books that I've probably given away a dozen of them was Miracles by Lee Strobel. What an amazing book. And Eric Metaxas, Seven Men, and his other book, Seven Women. And I would just mail those to various men and women that I knew, Christian or not, that I thought might be blessed by those books. Another um, milestone for me and for a lot of people in grief, and this is one of the areas that Grief Share helps you out too, I created a video montage of my life, my wife's life from birth to passing into her new birth in two weeks for her memorial celebration. That was a tough challenge to go through hundreds and hundreds of photographs. And then with the help of my friend, Tom Pascucci, a videographer, he helped me to put all that together and be able to share that at her celebration of life because I knew I was not going to be in any position emotionally to be able to talk in front of family and friends. Another milestone for me was what people struggle with is going through the closet. And so in three months' time, which a lot of my friends in Grief Share thought was rather quick, I was able to work my way through the closet because, again, every time you open the closet after suffering loss and see a loved one's belongings, it's tough. It's a challenge. I also created, with the help of my mother-in-law, who's now 93, she's amazing, uh, I I put together uh, a memory box. She gave me a, a box that I could put all of the various condolence cards and emails uh, over the time of my wife's loss in that to remember that. And again, the loss still impacts me today. Not n- nearly a day goes by that I still don't uh, reflect on on the my wife and her impact on my life. And of course, other goals still yet to come. I have over 100 videos of my children growing up that I need to transfer to digital media. But I'm emotionally not there yet where I feel like I can go through all those videos. And, and But, you know, the Lord has also uh, really been powerful in helping me to realize I'm not an island. You know, I have to be transparent with Jesus. I I have to remember that he knows my heart and he's going to give me the grace that I need to get through that. So in closing, I wanted to share a verse that's been really impactful for me through the grief journey. And that's Romans 5, 4 and 5. And this is this is what gives me hope. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulations produce perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. That's right. Who's the Holy Spirit? The Comforter. And what is the Holy Spirit doing through this tribulation? Teaching us perseverance, building our character, and lastly, giving us hope that doesn't disappoint. So I hope that blesses you all today. Once again, thanks for listening to SoCal Live. I'm Mark Ray, your guest host, and we'll be right back. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.